Good morning, knuckleheads. You two know what day it is? Um, happy anniversary? Mazel tov! It's family fun day, genius. We're cutting off work and having one of those, you know, bonding-type deals. Uncle Stan, is this gonna be anything like our last family bonding day? You call that Ben Franklin? He looks like a woman! Uh-oh. Oh, the county jail is so cold. All right, maybe I haven't been the best summer caretaker. But I swear, today we're gonna have some real family fun. Now who wants to put on some blindfolds and get into my car? Yay! Wait, what? Welcome one and all to the podcast without a cool acronym. The podcast where we review Disney television animation shows. I'm your host, Chandler Darochet. Joining me on the podcast today via Zoom, we have Landon Kenoki. Oh. Micah Hirsch. Hello, Micah Alexander Hirsch, but there's no scene. <laughs> Jonathan Edward. Hey, what's up from the Second Dimension YouTube channel? Back from more. And joining us for the very first time on the podcast without a cool acronym, we have Scott Sandler. Hello. Scott, where are you from? I'm from Long Island. Long Island. Long Island? Yeah. Cool. From Long Island, Scott Sandler. So we're here today to talk more about Gravity Falls because, well, of course, I want to talk about one of the biggest shows Disney Channel slash Disney XD has ever had. Now, I know four out of the five of us on this call right now are huge Gravity Falls fans, but... Um, Landon actually had not seen any of the show prior to this week. Prior to a couple months ago, yes. Prior to a couple months ago. So you had seen, you have seen some of it. <clears throat> I showed him the first two episodes, I think a month or two ago. Okay, yeah. so, so basically what we're talking about today is the, the second episode that he's seen. Yeah, so I haven't seen any of the other episodes. Um, so yeah, um, Landon, really quick, what are your thoughts on Tourist Trapped? On the first episode? Yeah. 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 So I, I, I really liked it because I like how it um, first starts out with something sort of relatable to like a kid's show slash sitcom, whatever. It's just like, I'm going to have a boyfriend and then he's creepy. And then it sort <laughs> of shows you the example of just the tone that I think this show is going to have with a sort of it's like, oh, it's a it's a vampire. Actually, it's just a bunch of gnomes. Yes. <laughs> and then, Definitely. and they look just like lawn gnomes, of course. Well, maybe wants then, it to be a vampire, but Dipper thinks that it's a zombie. Yeah. And yeah, it ends up being gnomes. But what's funny is the first episode of season two actually does have zombies. And that was 2012 <laughs> when Twilight like, Joke was still like kind of relevant. So that's part of the reason the, the tween wants the the her him to be a vampire oh of course that was all done perfectly yeah. i love that and, and yeah. then of course disney gets the zombie boyfriend with zombies and zombies too oh yeah <laughs> those movies exist yeah I, I liked the tone of that and how like everybody's wrong and everybody's right and just just how it it, it sets up like this kind of absurd summer sequence going on and how yeah. certain people don't believe what's going on there and certain people know. Like no. the uncle doesn't know it's there, but the uncle's lying 
about all of the supernatural being there. And uh, and it's second. Disney Channel, the second Disney Channel show that takes place entire almost well, this one does take place entirely entirely in the summer. Summer, and people just can't get around the chronology of it. Well, except Gra- <laughs> Gravity Falls actually does stay pretty straightforward. Like it's not like it's a, well, we're forever and it doesn't make any sense because all well, the no, it doesn't take enti- place in, entirely within the summer. There's the. Uh, there's the future scenes with Bond and Blandon. Oh well, yeah. The, 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 the bulk of the show takes place during that summer. Yeah. There's the flashbacks the main, too, but there's flashbacks. Of the main storyline. Yeah. The, the 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 everything that happens with the main characters take, takes place during that main summer, which is why they wanted to do a Halloween episode, but that's like, oh, we can't actually do a Halloween episode because that's not October unless we have it be Summerween. Which should be a real thing. Yeah, Summerween, especially since Halloween this year, or this last year was garbage, we should have Summerween. And um, the and then the second season they do a horror anthology, which, might I say, I'm um, with the Are You Afraid of the Dark reboot. I like that it changed from an episodic anthology to a seasonal anthology, like like it goes from a Twilight Zone to an American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really yeah. like. Um, I really like both of the the little anthology episodes that they do, and we'll obviously come back to those. Um, yep. The other the other element that is set up in uh, Tourist Trap that we haven't really seen come back yet, but it definitely does come back is, of course, Mabel's boy craziness. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It, it, it's funny though, because the and again we haven't gotten to this yet, but the the next episode that we get where there is a potential love interest for Mabel, she actually is not interested and ends up being pressured into that. Um, but then along well, with in Mondo, this episode, that's as that's episode four, right? The hand that rocks the Mabel. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. That's a awkward name. <laughs> um maybe i'm old-fashioned but any sort of like romance with people under 15 always makes me a little uncomfortable it's it's always handled very tastefully usually it's just hilarious because of how much mabel's going all out on um on whatever and it just falls apart miserably Mm -hmm. Uh, one of my favorites is the the season two episode sock opera where she falls in love with this dweeb who <laughs> does puppet shows and things go she, awry. She ropes everyone into putting together this massive sock puppet rock opera with original songs. Uh, what's I like the, what's the Grunkle Stanley in that one? He's filming it. He's like, uh, children fighting. I can sell this. I can sell this. Baby fights. <laughs> Baby fights. At this point, we're just talking about like just random, random stuff from the show that we like. Yeah, um, I liked the gag in the first episode where she did the junior high trope of "Will you go out with me?" It's like yes, definitely, definitely. of course. Or, I, I forget the exact wording. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I rigged it. When um, I, I watched the pilot today. Could, um, I think I actually 
honestly saw the 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 moment that Dipper lost his first hat for the first time. Oh yeah. Like I I don't know. I guess I kept looking away when it happened or whatever or or I was, but it I actually rerouted and Random and saw it. Kind of weird that I kept missing that. Like I knew he obviously changed hats, but yeah, what caused it? One random like, detail that's interesting is the original the, the original pilot that was released. That was always his hat. He didn't have to get a new one. I think I, I like that they added that beat in there where Grunkle Stan give, gives them each something at the end of that episode, uh, or lets them pick out something. And of course, Maple gets the grappling hook, which does not come in handy yet, but it will eventually. Mm-hmm. It will. Um, Poor Dave and his skull. <laughs> Um, so what, what, what we have talked about thus far and what we're going to talk about right now is what Landon has seen thus far, because today we're going to talk about two episodes, actually. We're going to do back-to-back recordings, uh, where we're talking about Legend of the Gobblewonker first, and then we'll go on a break and talk about Headhunters afterwards, and so both of these are really fun episodes, because they're kind of smaller um, self-contained episodes. There's little bits that come back, but they're not as crucial to the story. What they really do, especially with this one, uh, with Legend of the Gobblewonker, is it really kind of starts establishing the the bond that Dipper and Mabel have with Grungle Sand, which is really important. And and it really starts setting up the townspeople more. Yeah, this is the first episode where we really see, other than a few random people we see in Tourist Trap. This is the first time we really see like all of the townspeople out there. Mm-hmm. We see Got Wendy's family. Mm-hmm. We see uh, Lazy Susan, the cops, obviously McGucket. Um, yep. Cutie Biker, Tyler. Yes, of oh, course. Yeah. I think he was uh, he was in Tourist Trap. I can't. I couldn't remember because I haven't want, actually watched that episode in a while. I think. I think he was. I, I, wa- I watched Second. the. I watched the first three episodes once through, and then I watched, uh, uh, Gobble Wonker and Headhunters again for notes. So, um, Legend of the Gobble Wonker starts off with Dipper and Mabel having a syrup race because, why would you not have two bottles of syrup open at once? That's like my mom's biggest pet peeve. It's like, why do we have two things open of the same thing? It's like, no, yeah. use, this, use all of the honestly, first one first. He, it, it's pro, it, pro, it seems to be a rather even matchup, at least that it seems to be not as dominant by either of the twins. Because he took the, win, the loss a lot better than he was Mabel's growth in Little Dipper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing in that scene or a scene shortly after that scene um i wanted to point out but um one of us hasn't seen all the episodes so i don't know if i should mention it or not um there is a foreshadowing slash reference to a future episode in that scene that's really neat um should i talk about it or (laughs) um sure yeah go for Um, it on the the magazine they're reading that tells them about the thing looking for the monster um, there's a ad for a child psychic, and the child psychic is, of course, Little Gideon. Oh, okay, yeah. That's not a that's not a long gestating spoiler. I thought you were going to talk about 
something that's like way further down the line, like the yeah. significance of the name of the boat, for example. But um, yeah, we're, we're um, going to keep this relatively spoiler free for our friend Landon, who hasn't seen uh, much of the show yet. The rest of the show. <laughs> there's so much, and especially, um, I don't know, I'm not really sure. I was kind of thinking about this. I'm like, there's a whole element to the next episode we're going to talk about that's like, Okay, this kind of is like early spoiler because it's one of those where you come back and you're like, oh my god. I I figure there's monsters that aren't robotic in the future. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, because obviously there was the gnomes and um, the next episode that we're going to talk about is uh, cursed wax figures. But there's plenty more that is real. Because yeah, spoiler alert, the, the monster they chase in this episode ends up not being real at all. Or is it? Bum, bum, bum. I was always bothered by the milk curtain at the beginning of the episode. The milk With curtain? The <laughs> milk what, was curtain? Up, what was up with the milk carton? Um, so in the beginning, um, when Stan is opening up the fridge, there's a milk carton with a cow and it's squeezing its udder and winking. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, oh, of course, we also got to talk about the, the the gag involving the last time Dipper and Mabel bonded with Uncle Stan. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. The county jail was so cold. And there's a little there's a little callback later in uh, Irrational Treasure. Yeah. Where it was like, Ben Franklin secretly was a woman. And you have to think that um, McGucket he does this um, panic about the Gobblewonker a lot, but he didn't account for Mabel and Dipper coming to town. Yeah, and he they were the ones that actually, were like face. Well, his plan doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, so Dipper and Mabel are, are looking at this. Uh, well, Dipper, Dipper specifically is looking at this catalog or whatever, and there is a thousand dollar prize for whoever takes a picture of a monster of some sort or a creature of some sort, sort of like, you know, Bigfoot. Of course, the thing Mabel sees that kind of describes the catalog is there is a human sized hamster ball for $500. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure you get those. <laughs> And, us for and then kids he has this fantasy with yeah. Zyler and Crash. Zyler and Crash. <laughs> you can look, but like, you can't touch. I guess I hadn't seen the episode enough because I, I did not remember them appearing so early. Yeah, because yeah. the, their next appearance is like at the end of the season, isn't Dreamscapers. it? In Dreamscapers. It's, I think, in the penultimate episode of the season. Yeah. I, I think we should probably talk about the theme song. <laughs> oh yeah, the theme song's great. I mean, yeah. I, I I I didn't bring it up because I figured that that was talked about in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, we actually didn't really talk about it. Um, uh, what one thing that's kind of, that's kind of kind of interesting is that obviously in the theme song the S falls off of the the sign, so it's mystery hack. But that actually doesn't happen until the next episode, and I like how that stays the same way. Yeah, through the rest of the series, but that that's really a note for the next episode. It's like the original, yeah, the original Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like Hollywoodland. No, Hollywood from BoJack Horseman. Uh, I, I haven't watched BoJack at all. Oh, sorry. 
No, I need to. I need to. It just it's one, it's another one of those shows that it's like I need to find the time to do this. Yeah, that, that was one of my uh, binges last January. Grunk, uh, so Grunkle Stan proposes the the bonding day. Um, and he has an entire book of dad jokes. Yes, he has an entire book, book of dad jokes. Who wants to put on some blindfolds and get into my car? Yay! Wait, what? what? This was an episode that they used a lot for the the trailers for the show. Oh, yeah. Seuss's Butt Island joke. Yes, the Butt Island joke. <laughs> and Dude, Butt Island. The beavers with the chainsaws and... It, it, it's a very it's a it, it's a very memorable episode for nothing else than just some there's some really fun lines in it oh yeah, yeah definitely yeah um they get to they get to the lake and the whole town is there i guess all the businesses are closed it's literally everyone's gone fishing i like the i like the detail where um wendy's whole family i, I forget did we actually see wendy with them uh, no i don't think so we don't see them with her Wait, when when do we see her family? They're the ones where the dad is reaching into the water to just grab the fish. Mammy Dan and the triplets. And then like Oh, so that's Wendy's family. Okay. Yes. I didn't didn't make that connection. Stan's really excited to actually bond with Dipper and Mabel, but Dipper and Mabel, of course, are immediately um, distracted by McDuncan's whole thing and how I've seen it, I've seen it again. Yeah. What's the name of the guy that takes them out on the boat? Seuss. That's Seuss. Yep. Seuss. Ramirez. I love how Seuss advertises his boat with just normal boat stuff and nothing outstanding. <laughs> but it's still way better than the the little stand of war that is that barely even floats. Yeah, you gotta you gotta wonder how many times Stan named his different boats Stan War because of what. Well, oh, we're, we're, we're keeping we're keeping the spoiler free, spoiler free, spoiler yeah. free. Yeah, keeping the spoiler free, free. So, um, I'm not gonna go into the significance of that just yet. But they're off on the on the hunt after they go get sunscreen, and Stan's left sad. Poor Stan. And hey, he resorts just... to harassing other lake goers. My ex-wife still misses me, but her aim is getting better. <laughs> But her aim is getting better. It's, it's funny, funny because marriage is terrible. That was a very Midwest joke. <laughs> like, my wife misses me, but her aim is getting a lot better. I used to work in an office where just about every man was a divorced man except me. There's the whole thing where Dipper's like, okay, we have like a ton of disposable cameras, so there's no way we can possibly screw this up. And... Mabel and Seuss just start destroying cameras. Yep. I think I, that, that's honestly a standout moment of the episode. I think like, that's my favorite joke of the whole episode. The episode. <laughs> what? You said, you said lose the cameras? No, don't lose your cameras. Dude, I just threw two more away. The thing is, it's one of those things where, no, you don't need cameras. You, need, you, you, you just need a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. Well, canonically, Mabel's the only person that has a cell phone, and I don't think she gets one until later, but I honestly don't know. We only know that she has a cell phone from Lost Legends, because we never actually see it in the show. And they had throwaway cameras. When did this come out? Uh, 2012. 2012. Yeah, the the year that the world was supposed to end, instead of 2020, when the (laughs) world actually ended. Because um, I feel like in 2012, throwaway cameras were already kind of outdated. 
Oh yeah. Well, uh, remember our episode on uh, Phineas and Ferb Winter Vacation? There's the whole joke in there where um, Linda is looking for a disposable camera to buy, and she's at the gift shop, and she's like, "It's a camera that you use, and then you send it to, to get the film developed, and then then you throw the non-film part away." What the heck is film? And then they finally <laughs> find one in the box of random junk from the 80s, and the guy's like, let me know if you need any more things to throw away. Those are so fun to bring on school field trips, though. Yeah, yeah. I remember getting one of those every time I would go to... Um, I would, When I was yeah. in elementary school, I would do um, zoo camp when I was in San Diego with my grandparents, and they would they would have me do zoo camp during like the, the mornings for a week. And it was it was amazing. I loved having a disposable camera to be able to take pictures. Yeah, I think this is one of those things where they don't really care that it's outdated. That it's just there for the joke. Yeah, because the audience recognizes it. So yeah, mm-hmm. and the whole and the whole yeah. point is we have all of these cameras, and it would be way more expensive to get a bunch of digital cameras. And it, it makes more sense. sense. I'm, sure, I'm I'm sure if they did have cell phones, Seuss would manage to destroy them anyway. Um, being a plot that would have been solved by cell phones. It reminds me of a Moesha episode where on graduation day they were stranded, but they didn't have enough money for the payphone. And then Uh, at the start of the next season, some of those characters who had been stranded are seen with cell phones. Yeah. (laughs) Although... Um, in Vinnius and Ferb, it's also brought up sometimes as a runner with Candace. She's lost her phone, like, there's one episode where her mom says she's lost her phone, like, seven times. <laughs> yeah, but um, it being all over the same summer, it and it being a summer that started airing in 2007, it kind of makes sense why she was stuck with a... Well, but, yeah. but in theory, that's all been just a couple months. But it's like, yeah, by the time, but towards towards the the later end of the show, the younger kids have like smartphones. Um, well, I mean, the, in the first episode of Vinny's and Ferb Candace was using a landline. The other thing um, I, I thought was kind of funny was the whole gag where Mabel is using the pelican as a puppet. I'm like. <laughs> You would not be able to do that with the real pelican or a real seagull or anything like that. That thing, that thing would like, attack you. The so much. On that, 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 that will bite you and steal your sandwich. I always thought it was funny how in animation pelicans they have like this really big mug in their bottom of the bill, but in real life, you know, it's just like a slightly larger. I think the, the, they, they scoop up the water, and the more water there is in their beak, the bigger the pouch gets. But I don't I think, think I've ever seen it as big as it is in animation, just a really big well, Often, like, animation exaggerates. Between that yeah. and uh, Nigel. And Nigel a realistic um, depiction of a pelican, I think, in Finding Nemo. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a much better, more realistic depiction of a pelican. There's a good amount of space there. Obviously Although that could cool. just be Gravity Falls at work. Maybe a certain mutation. or That's true. Yeah, uh, that's always possible. I mean, Gra- are- Gravity Falls is home to the platypus. Would there be pelicans living near a lake? No, they'd Sometimes. actually be... Uh, if they live near the bay, they're bagels. <laughs> 
Yeah, one the platypus. Time. The platypus is one of my favorites from uh, Gravity Falls. I love oh, it. so there's a platypus. There's in a plaid. 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 It is plaid. Plaid. It is plaid. It doesn't actually show up in the show. It's just in uh, Journal Three. Journal it's Three. Platypus. It's or it's sort of like a a platypus, but it has you know it looks like a kilt. Oh like, wait, the, the, he I opened that up in the episode, didn't he? Stan the journal, yeah, the journal. Okay, in the journal, yeah. Yeah, the journal that he found in the first episode. Yeah, okay, okay. He opens the journal and it says plaid. I'm, I'm guessing the platypus was just um, Stan raiding Manly Dan's closet. <laughs> yeah, these, these animators, they love them. They're platypuses. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, the pl- the platypus doesn't actually appear in the show. It's just uh, yeah. it, it's just in the it, it's just in the journal that was released. yeah the, the canon journal that you should absolutely read once you're done with the show completely. <laughs> yeah. Because heavy heavy spoilers, especially if you're reading it from front to back. And then there's Rick oh. Forty Easter eggs. And there's a lot of stuff I recognize just because I've seen fans of the show, like you know the hat he wears. Yes, Obviously, I've seen you wear that, and I've seen that hat other places. <laughs> yes. Trying to see if I can find a platypus in here. Truly an iconic hat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do we want to talk about Seuss's stomach? <laughs> it makes well sounds. So they get to the island, they kind of walk around for a bit, they see... What they think is the Gobblewonker, but it's actually just like a shipwreck and some beavers with chainsaws. Mm-hmm. Dude, check it out. Beaver with a chainsaw. I dig the design of the beavers that they have. <laughs> they have that, like, they look cute, but they're also, like, intimidating. And then they just get followed everywhere. And then they get followed by them everywhere. And then at the end, they're saying, we're still beavers. Yeah, this episode reminded me why I love animation just because of all these like really creative different designs they have but you still recognize them as something familiar yeah and the you know Loch Ness monster thing (laughs) right I like how they didn't go for the obvious where the Loch Ness monster would be real I I, I like that it ended up being uh, a robot because that's something you would not expect especially (laughs) but then they showed that it was real at the end anyway well, yeah, that's true. There is a real one. The, the uh, writers, the big they, they one, just, the chase. They they just finished watching uh, Scooby Doo and the Loch Ness Monster two thousand three. <laughs> but in Scooby Doo, you'd predict that because everything's a, a costume. Well, obviously, it it was to celebrate new Pokemon Snap when the uh, <laughs> when a Lapras was the was a prominent part of the original teaser. Okay, so imagine if there was a Gravity Falls video game with the sim- with a similar premise to Pokemon Snap, where you just go around taking pictures of all these different creatures. Oh yeah. Or or when Pokemon Go where the creatures are put in an augmented reality. The weirdness bubble has been broken and the creatures have spilled <laughs> out into the world. You have to find the Shmebulok. What Shmebulok? I was gonna say I remember watching the first episode of Blend, and we got to the part where Schmebulock is just vomiting rainbows at the end. And he's just like, "What even is?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was interesting how it's the Pacific Northwest, which you know I've been able to visit, and it's a familiar place, and you can see a totem pole in the background. But then it has this supernatural element to it to make Gravity Falls sort of a special, you know, special thing for this show. 
and it fits with the really uh you know the really really stylized nature of the show it's, yeah it's a lot more stylized than a lot of other animated shows i've seen well we already yeah. talked about this in the we talked about this in the last episode where we talked about gravity falls but there's so many tourist traps in oregon just really really cool little places mm-hmm. all all up and down the state uh so something like the mr shack would feel right at home in yeah. oregon and then there's gorgeous, gorgeous landscape there. That yeah, I, I had one touristy day while I was um, in like I forget if it was 2016 or 17, but um, I visited the gum wall and saw Pike Place. And I mean, obviously that's Washington, but it's still, it's still close to that area. I ended up. Um, I ended up living in Washington for about a year and a half. I have I've never been there, but there's a tourist trappy type thing over in the mountains here in North Carolina called I think called Mystery Hill or something. And it has like um illusions and stuff. It's funny because they just opened an illusions museum in Orlando. <laughs> yeah. By Icon. And then there's a place in uh Haines City, Florida called Spooky Hill. Which is yep. just where it looks like the the it looks like that the road's sloping upwards, but it's actually sloping downwards. So you put your car in neutral and you go down slightly and you're like, ah! <laughs> but they tell you it's haunted. <laughs> yes, the spooky hill. It, I, I grew up going on so many road trips, so I've seen a lot of these just really tacky roadside stops. <laughs> They haven't driven up from California to like Oregon or anything like that. Uh, I, I know I have been to San Francisco like with, once when I was little, and I know I have been to. I, I went to Seattle because we flew into Seattle to drive to Canada from there. They also have a lot of tacky. I don't know how many of them are like mystery shack type things, but lots of tourist traps on in Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Right. Oh, yeah, I just was in Pigeon Forge. There's I'm planning on going kind of, there this summer. There's a weird graphic yeah. book ride thing there that I've seen videos of, but never actually been on when I went there. Um, there's some, like a haunted house boat ride with dinosaurs or something. Oh yeah. oh yeah, the dinosaur boat ride. Yes, the the Jurassic Jungle boat ride. <laughs> yeah, with the with yeah. the mannequins out front to make you think there's more people going on it than there actually are. <laughs> Yeah, and Gatlinburg has a bunch of those too. Yeah, and Ripley, I guess, I guess what Ripley's believe it or not is kind of like a mystery shack type thing. Yep. And right. here in Orlando, they basically have all that stuff on International Drive. Yeah. Yeah. My only problem with the stuff in Orlando, like I said before, is it's like not a, a lot of it feels very like none of it, none of it is uh, as genuine as the other tourist traps and like other places that are more remote. Well, I feel like, why would you want to go to a tourist trap when you can just go to Disney or Universal? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah, everything's it, much it's more. It's not as earnest. I mean, even and even not still, not still, like, especially the gift shops where they sell like all sorts of random crap. Like, I got the the Perry the Platypus Pez dispenser that I have from the Knott's Berry Farm gift shop. I'm like, why do they have this? You don't aim to go to a tourist trap. You oh no. Usually, no. <laughs> Unless you're but going on. to stop that. If you're going yeah. on like a, like a, if you want to like a, the room experience, but with tourism. Um. 
you might. <laughs> but I mean, not Knox still has that kind of tourist trap DNA in it. That I, I find that really charming. I really like that that about Knots. It feels very homemade, which I really like. There is a um a, basically a homemade theme park in Oregon. I think called Enchanted Forest or something, but that's not really connected to Gravity Falls. We should probably get back to talking about that. All right. Well, you mentioned that Jurassic Jungle um, boat ride in, in uh, Gatlinburg, and you'll be riding home in, in, in that, the Gobblewonker. <laughs> it's a yeah. giant animatronic dinosaur. So they get chased by the Gobblewonker, and the, the foot chase quickly turns into a boat chase. And I, I want to know what those two guys were doing with the sheet of glass, like going across the lake. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing with the sheet of glass? Maybe they were going to install it on a glass bottom boat. <laughs> Maybe. Like in the water? You know, that's Gravity Falls. Maybe the water flows downward instead of upward into the boat. So I, I, I found it a little inconsistent with the first episode that the great uncle suddenly wants to bond with the children. Because he seemed kind of uninterested in the children in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, but that that changes more throughout the 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 show as we'll come to okay. discuss later on. So he actually is interested in the children. Yeah, he he really care about them. Um, I, I I liked how they contrasted it with the sort of just the perfect you know family that you look at. It's like <laughs> I love you. I just realized that I love you. <laughs> oh, come like, on. Boo. Maybe nobody loves him. <laughs> Maybe nobody loves him. Now, there's a thing that comes up, and this is a joke that I just like whenever it's in anything, where an animal just ends up grabbing a person's face and they're running around screaming. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but that always makes, I always find that funny. Yeah, it's a good trope. I think Family Guy did it once, and they did it here with the beaver. Well, it's been done everywhere. Yeah. It's been done and on Avatar Last Airbender. And and something did hit me about Hannah was, with, even with all the touring and the recording, seasons two and three are both 30 episodes. Mm. And... Season one was 26, so imagine how much she was going through <laughs> with everything they were putting her through. Honestly, it's kind of a miracle she's not, like, cuckoo bananas at this point. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad she got through it, and now she's kind of back looking fondly at it again. She grew up, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's very successful now. Yeah. She was obviously success- very successful before, but very successful now. Luckily, the journal has um, documentation that the waterfall actually has a cave behind it. So they go into the cave, and the gobblewonger crashes into it. And, of course, they find out that it is, in fact, a robot that is being controlled by Old Man O'Gucket, because... Town Aquatic Robot! Yeah, and when because... he goes through the waterfall, she's like, you think? You think, <laughs> you think there's a cave? Think there's a cave? For a guy who builds a lot of mechs, it's strange he doesn't know about anime. <laughs> How do you know he doesn't know about anime? Because we know. Oh. Because that, that, that's, that's a call forward. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> What's an anime? We have much <laughs> to discuss. Uh, and then I like the gag at the ending of the episode where they're like, did you try talking to your family members? He's like, no. Why would I do no, that? I, I was working on the, on the, the <laughs> yeah. And it's weird that even though even though his son works at the wake, we don't really see them reconcile. No? No. Yeah, I just kind of love that there. And I, I don't mean, think the joke is, is that he doesn't reconcile, right? Isn't the joke that he does just does rash things? But like after what we see happen, it's like his son is complete is still forgotten about. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it, I don't think he shows up again. I don't think he does. I don't think he shows up ever again. Yeah. I think he's just a one-off character. But McGucket definitely comes back. Yeah, McGucket obviously, like I said, he ends up being a really important character. Um, Honestly, but, uh, McGucket's other terror machines, those never get brought back up again. Yeah. Wonder how much they really planned on uh, McGucket and ending up being as important of a character as he ended up being, and getting kind of the yeah. I thought he was going to just be a one-off character at first, and then, and then he wasn't. He was a recurring character that ended up yeah. actually being like really freaking important to the show. But yeah. I think it's still. I think it still works at least that even though his sanity was gone, his. His brain, his inventiveness was still there. Yeah, I think we got to we got to be careful to avoid spoilers. But right, right. Um, yeah, I don't recognize most of these words he says. So there's there's one specific well. thing that Alex Hirsch did late in the series run with uh, with McGucket um, in this thing that we call a fake leak um, <laughs> that. <laughs> It was a pretty interesting fandom moment. I don't know if we should go into that, but if you know what if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it might be better saved for later, but that's going to be a lot later. Yeah. yeah, it's it's going to be really fun going through the the series with with my my plan is to have Landon come back every time we talk about Gravity Falls, so that we can kind of get the the fresh perspective because I think that'll be interesting. Yeah, that's good because then I can space out my watching of this show. Because I don't yeah. like binging anymore. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I, I used to like binging. I don't like it anymore. Uh, I feel that. I think I think I think the pandemic kind of ruined binge watching for me. Um the thing is I you run a binge watch really quickly. I had I had just finished Dawson's Creek after watching um all of Supernatural and I found myself not wanting to commit to another 44 minute drama. Yeah. So I ended up going back to my Hannah Montana binge instead. <laughs> How's that been going? I'm now in season three, and it's it's funny seeing certain stars you you would recognize late, like in the last in, in the time since then. But it's also interesting seeing stars from where they were then. Yeah, like completely fall. Wayne Johnson was already big when he guest starred on Hannah Montana, but in the time since, he's exploded even bigger. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably more famous now than he was promoting the game plan. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember um uh Swami Swami that he'd be absolutely awestruck if he ever got to meet Dolly Parton. I'm like, well, 
What one of the people you work with was on Hannah Montana, and he obviously has gotten to meet Dolly Parton. Because uh, uh, Mitchell Musso, obviously. Just build a Gravity Falls mine train coaster at Dollywood. You know, <laughs> the that, I mean, that's kind of what Mystery Mine is in a way. Um. And after hearing McGugget's whole crazy thing about why he built the robot different, maybe we realized. Wow, we were kind of jerking. time with our great uncle. Yeah. Look, looks like they were the real monsters the whole time. This continues the trope that if kids are doing dangerous things, they just make the adult figure a uncle or great uncle because it would be irresponsible if it was the dad. Yes, they yeah. lamp that at one point. Say, this seems like something a responsible parent wouldn't want you to do. Good <laughs> thing I'm an uncle. Yeah, that's why it's always like Uncle Donald instead of Donald being dead. But yet one reason. Shed the responsibility anyway. So yeah, that's one reason Donald is the uncle. <laughs> well, Donald's more responsible than Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, or Uncle Stan, probably. I mean, to a point. They have different motivations. But also, DuckTales spoilers, of, of course, we actually do get their mom back later on in the series. But so then, of course, at the, at the end of the episode, um, Dipper, Mabel, and Seuss end up going fishing with Stan, and they have they end up having a great time. So, yeah. Um, and then there's a real monster, but... And then there's a real monster, but we never see that again, so... Yeah, that's the only time they do that kind of thing, and they don't actually bring it back, I think. Yeah. Probably because it's like, well, it's just a lake monster. It's, you know... It's the lake nose monster. The lake nose monster. <laughs> Zinc. They admit that it's okay. a parallel of something, but it's not the exact parallel. Yeah. Um, so, any last thoughts on this episode before we move on to the next one? Yeah, very, very uh, Scooby Doo and Loch Ness monster vibes. <laughs> yeah. So All he good. needed was he needed to also be pedaling it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Just and you needed pack. a you needed a, a dumb Wizard of Oz reference. Pay no attention to the old man controlling the, the robot. <laughs> I just had to learn how to do the narrow brainwave thing and drive a stick ship with my beard. <laughs> and you can tell that no one ever really got close enough to it. Because if they did, they'd wonder why it wasn't blinking. Yeah. Unless it's one of Now those. we're thinking a little too logically about this. Maybe he's blinking when you're blinking. One of those weird creatures with, that either has no eyelids or has translucent eyelids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Island. All right. Yeah, so, a lot of fish don't have eyelids. Like yeah. snakes are clear eyelids that you can't really see. Well, I think that about does it for this half of the episode. We'll be right back after we watch Gravity Falls Episode 3, Headhunters, right here on the podcast without a cool acronym. Long ago, in a faraway land, there was a prosperous studio run by a middle-aged CEO. In an era of princesses and flashy musical numbers, the studio decided to go in a different direction, and thus their most unique creation was born. And they called it... The Emperor's New Groove. 
But The Emperor's New Groove is more than just one movie. There's an entire expanded Grooviverse out there, and I intend to explore it all on The Emperor's New Podcast. Hi, I'm Micah Hirsch, and I'll be your host on this whimsical journey as I'm joined by special guests to discuss every corner of this underrated franchise, from movies to television to theme parks. You can hear all about it on The Emperor's New Podcast, available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Be sure to stop by and give it a listen, and remember, beware the groove! I'm afraid your services won't be required here, sir. My men have examined the evidence, and this is obviously an accident. Quack, 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 quack. That duck is a genius. So we're back. Well, most of us are back. Jonathan actually is not going to be able to join us for the second half of the episode, unfortunately. But that's okay. Um, Because we just watched Headhunters. Mm -hmm. That's a really, that was a really fun episode. Yeah, it is really yeah. good. I, I I really like shows when they have a, a good like you know mystery, and there's so many tropes you can do with the mystery that there's, yeah. there's so many more creative things. I mean, I mean well, obviously the mystery is the whole show. The whole, whole show is all around it. But this in particular is a whodunit. And, yeah. and it's interesting. I I didn't expect supernatural stuff to come from inside the home. I expected it to all be in the woods, so that surprised and it, me. It just hit me as to why Duck Detective debuted in this episode, and the answer should be obvious. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the answer to that should be obvious if you've actually watched through the entire show. We're not going to say why, because Landon has not mm-hmm. gotten through the entire show. And, and I do love the... That's, that's a very good point. I hadn't even thought about that. I do love a show within a show like yes. Duck Detective. No, well, no, I, I, I just think it's, it's not even spoilers. It's just that this episode was a murder mystery. That's yeah. the Mabel eating the toothpaste brings to mind something's a little more onward. Yeah, what was she talking about with it being sparkly? Is toothpaste sparkly? Depends on the kind of toothpaste. Some, some toothpaste is. Oh, okay. The kid's toothpaste usually is. And then they, they make the joke as to which one is the, the sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Seuss discovers the old wax museum that was kind of locked up. Um, and Gungusan's like, oh yeah, I kind of forgot about it. it. It's shown later that, no, he didn't really forget about it. It's more that it kind of just wasn't doing well. But it's weird to me that he would just decide, oh, well, I'm just going to lock up this old room in the shack and not use it for something else. Yeah. Thinking well, about logic a little too much. He, he could have made up stories as, like, he could have pretended they were the real thing and then come up with little stories as to how it happened. <laughs> well, but some, some of them are figures that are still alive right now. Exactly. Larry King is still alive, technically, isn't he? But maybe some of those tourists he, wouldn't he know that. He went to the hospital with COVID recently. but I, Oh, yeah, he did. Don't well, know how still, he is still technically alive. Well, and I'm, and back then, John Oliver was still just a Daily Show correspondent. Yeah, yeah. Which again kind of ties into um, what I was saying about how it's interesting seeing where a guest star was at the time they 
did their episode. Yeah. Yeah. They find the room with all the wax figures, and Abraham Lincoln is melted. Wax John Wilkes booth. I'm looking at your direction. <laughs> but then you never see the John Wilkes booth wax. I don't know if there actually was a John Wilkes booth figure. I think I think Grunkle Stan was just making a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if Alex would have wanted to play the Lincoln wax statue. See what? that that would have been funnier if it was a John F. Kennedy wax figure and he's like damn you reptile wax figure <laughs> uh, and then JFK Jr. is still alive and he's gonna be Trump's new vice president pick because that's totally how anything works <laughs> god this fucking this fucking QAnon people it's like those are the those people must feel like they're like you know on the brink of some huge mind-blowing discovery every day and then but what happens when it doesn't happen you just make up another government doesn't have to make sense they have to they make up an excuse for why it didn't happen and then go next conspiracy theory yeah apparently (laughs) yeah so um, Mabel's like, don't worry, I'll, I'll make a new wax figure out of all this old wax. And, of course, she ends up making wax grunkle Stan. Um, Stan has the whole unveiling ceremony where he promises free pizza and the flyer. And, uh, and another little detail that you can notice in the background is a certain time traveler mm-hmm. who shows up in a later episode. I love that they did oh, that. And, like, we're going to have... We're gonna have um, Blendon Blandon um, show up in the background of a couple episodes and be like, "Yeah, th- this was all. He was always gonna. He was always gonna be there." Uh, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. So a few episodes from now, the episode where Mabel gets Waddles, her pet, her pet pig Waddles, the, pig, the theme song, I think. Um, that is a whole time travel episode. And that's not a major spoiler because that's like a few episodes from this. And they go through previous episodes at one point. Yeah, so so the the time travel guy shows up. So if you go back, he's actually in this episode. If it wasn't such a short show, I feel like the um, the going back would have been more significant. Yeah. Um. Um. And and by the way, Blandon is played by Justin Roiland. And it's it's the same voice as Morty, basically. And I believe it was well, I believe it was pre-hiatus, which would still give it like, enough time. But but it was oh quite before Rick and Morty. But yes, yeah, so it was before Rick and Morty. So he was basically well, well just doing the lemon grab voice. Mm-hmm. Well, Justin Roiland was also on um, Fish Hooks Fish at the time. Hooks. Yeah. Yes. Which is a show that we have not talked about on this show yet, and we might have to come back to it at some point. Um. Uh, yeah. You. Alex has also worked on that. That was the yeah. show that he worked on before Gravity Falls. Yeah, he he was. Um, and he was Clementa. And a storyboard artist or something, I think. Yeah. Excuse me. Which is how you get into these. Um, oh these right. Shows. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of people now who have their own shows who worked on um, Gravity Falls. So it's the yeah. circle of television animation. Well, yeah. is, it, is it inbreeding or? 
Just regular breeding. <laughs> no, it's just you just if you want to do your own TV show, you need to start working on other shows that. first. Yeah. And they will eventually. Specifically, if you want to get a show at Disney, the best way to do it is to get in on the the storyboard artist level or something like that. Yeah. On an on an existing show and work from there. Yep. And a lot of the people who get get into that stuff um start off just making fan art. And yeah. Stuff. <laughs> and posting it on Facebook and DeviantArt and stuff and Twitter. Yeah, you know, I, I could never be to Go through the official. Most of the time, unless your name is uh, Ashley Simpson, you still have to go through the official channels to get hired. But sometimes, if they really like your work, they'll just hire you on the spot. <laughs> when, when I found myself unable to draw Pokemon like Weedle and Ghastly, which on the surface seem the most simple to do, at least to me when I was six, mm -hmm. I kind of just gave up on art. <laughs> or I I I I do I I just do all my own stuff for now, and maybe someday I'll I'll get if I ever actually live in California or something, I might consider getting a job, trying to apply for a job, anyways, as a storyboard artist. But for now, um, I'm just a YouTube animator. I don't really have a job. <laughs> Yeah, I was never really good at drawing, but I am good at computer drafting, and that's what I do for my job. I, I do engineering projects for Roadwave. I'm an engineer, so I, I, I do a lot of drafting. And speaking of purposes. drawings, of course, the big-armed waffle figures. Oh, yes, let's come back. Oh, but not the, it's, it's so great just how many things it's like th this is such a rewarding show to go back and rewatch because it's like there's so many things that's like oh that was in an earlier episode and so was that but the fairy yeah. princess horse fairy princess does not come back i'm pretty sure yeah that doesn't come back probably just because that would have been a little more uncanny valley to actually do an official design of uh, but yeah so like let, uh so we were at the unveiling right yeah so so there's the unveiling and um basically everyone really just showed up for the free pizza once it was um what once everyone found out that there was no free pizza i'm a huh. real reporter and i was told there was free pizza <laughs> that was a typo <laughs> free hat stand pieced out with all the cash and do that uh, with engineers and you're screwed if you promise engineers food and there's <laughs> none there. And the people did not take it very well. And then, of course, that night, um, Stan goes to the bathroom, comes back to find the wax figure decapitated. And they actually, like, called the police. <laughs> and, um, of course, the two police officers... Um, Derlin and Bloves are just like, okay, well, this case is unsolvable. Presumably because they they know that everyone in town was pissed off at um at Stan for not having pizza. So it could have been literally anyone. Dipper's like, hey, I can help. And Bloves and Derlin kind of make fun of him. And, and I wrote also Dipper sneezes like a kitten. I wrote a cab for that part. <laughs> I absolutely love the investigator character. <laughs> like uh, that. Loves and Derland. 
Love and Darling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're great. They're 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 among my favorites of the recurring characters on the show. They they have such a wholesome the the, the, two, the two of them have such a wholesome relationship. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't find the treasure. The time we spend together is treasure enough. It's interesting seeing Blubs and Derwin not respect Dipper. Like, I've, we kind of we kind of had that feeling before, but it it wasn't really something to focus on. And then Mabel gets it a few episodes later with with the rational treasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now I like the part where where Dipper is trying to figure out who's behind the murder, and um, he's saying any any it, it could have been anyone, and Mabel says even us. <laughs> no, maybe he has, a, he has a checklist, and then he 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 has him conveniently bring up like, "I'm this is a left-handed axe. <laughs> I only use my right hand. I would no. I wouldn't use that axe to pick my teeth. This is a left-handed axe." <laughs> so they they go all around town trying to find, but first they go to the biker the biker bar where um. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, where what was his name again? Manly Dan. Manly, where Manly Dan hangs out, and I, I love I love how and there's the, the the no minors joke. You don't promise people free food and don't deliver. That's the we were thing. told there was punch and pie. There's a lot of great lines in this episode. I think. Yeah. Um, like the joke about how the guy at the um at the I guess club saying we don't serve minors. And then there's a miner going, ah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Put to it. So there was a radio station in Indianapolis that actually made that joke. They said, this not a this not allowed for miners, that being people who mine. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob Murray would be very depressed to hear that, but he's dead now, so. <laughs> And I love how Mabel could literally make friends with anyone, and uh, she sits down next to this uh, huge muscular guy uh, with like tattoos and everything. And she ends up, it cuts back to her like 30 seconds later, and she's doing like a cootie catcher with him. <laughs> yeah, I just I love that. I freaking love Mabel, she's the best. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dipper asks Family Dan about the, the axe. And Manly Dan's like, oh, I would, I would pick my teeth with that axe because it's left-handed. So he's like, okay, well, we just have to find whoever's left-handed. And I, I don't remember if they actually confirmed if Toby determined was actually left-handed by the time they get down to him. But he has a solid alibi because he was making out with the cardboard cutout of Chandra Jimenez, which probably would have been a sex doll anywhere else. Oh God. Coming to Quibi, this never. I'm having like a nervous breakdown. My boyfriend's sex doll is talking to me. But I have news for you, babe. We're all sex dolls until we topple the patriarchy. That's great. You're a feminist sex doll. That was a choice. I was. There was a show with a living sex doll, or, or a, a, I don't know if it was like in her. It was either Quibi or HBO Max. I uh, think I heard about it, but it just randomly came up for a second i got ads for that fucking show non-stop when quibi was like in the process of launching i'm like i don't care i don't i will never watch this show i will never in a million years watch this show quibi's the one not even now that it's going to be available free 
Quibi's the one that was founded by the petty asshole, right? Quibi was Katzenberg, yes. Yes. Katzenberg, <laughs> in one of his, uh, in one of his genius ideas that totally didn't fail. Well, the guy who, the guy who almost had part of, part of your world cut from Little Mermaid. Oh, Katzenberg. I actually don't have a whole lot of notes for this one. This, to is, be just, this is just a, a fun, this is just a fun, absurd one, really. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah, like I said earlier, I kind of like when he's interviewing the guy who says I was punching the clock. And then, the clock. and then she's saying, you'll have a beautiful wife. It's like, <laughs> wait, will she love me? <laughs> it's also, this is the first, like one of the first episodes where it uh, gets pretty dark um, towards the end when, well, we'll get to it. <laughs> Yeah, um, so they go back to the shack and um, Gogo Stan's having a funeral for Wax Stan and Dipper realizes, wait a minute, the the Wax Stan figure has a hole in its shoe, which is something they had noticed earlier um, was that there was a hole in the shoe. It could take us, it could take, who knows how long it could take us to find a clue. Hey, look, a clue. Because yeah. that's where all the stands go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where the... the that's where the they attach to their stand dealies. And Dipper's like, wait a minute, what what has and of course at that point all the wax figures come to life and Wax Sherlock Holmes, of course, is the de facto leader because he's a detective and they're kid detectives. So naturally he's gonna be the main one. And like we said, Wax Sherlock Holmes is of course played by John Oliver. And he says, and now that you know my sec- our secret, you must die. And then his eyes roll back into his skull. Um, have you seen my magnifying glass? It's ginormous. I kind of hadn't put it together in my head that um, John Oliver played Sherlock Holmes until we were talking about um, various guest stars that have been on shows uh, a few episodes of this podcast ago, I was like, "Oh wait, that was John Oliver." That's the, of course it was. Haha, <laughs> those detectives were right to laugh at you. <laughs> and then, of- oh no, I'm defeated by a small boy in short pants. No, <laughs> I didn't quite get that in short pants. Like, is that derogatory and- somehow? Yeah, and of course, different man will realize that they can melt the wax figures, and that's basically the main way they can defeat them. Uh, and there, there's quite a few funny guys because they've got like Larry King and Coolio and Shakespeare, and they, they just they just have a lot of fun with this. this is kind of this. You know what? This would be Michael Eisner's favorite episode of Gravity Falls. You think they would? But they did not have. Unfortunately, they did not have a wax Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> no, no wax Gilbert Godfrey. No wax Drew Carey, sadly. Yeah. How about a map to your house, Drew Carey? How did you survive the wax man uprising? <laughs> I decapitated Larry King. Uh, I fought Shrek to the death. But I thought it was an interesting set of wax figures. It's mostly, you know, really famous people like Shakespeare and Genghis Khan. But then you also have Coolio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, historical and literature figures, but then also like Larry King and Coolio. You know, it's really funny in retrospect that John Oliver played Wax Sherlock Holmes. He played an evil wax figure because he now has his very own wax museum. Yes. Yeah. He has the wax presidents. He has, 
Who did he have again? I know we had Harding, obviously. Who else did he have? Yeah, he has a taste of Hall of Presidents, except they don't talk. Yeah. In fact, tonight, I'd like to present to you the last week tonight, Hall of Dubiously Lifelike Wax Commanders in Chief. The whole gang is here. First, there is Richard Nixon. He cost us $1,900, and he looks like a store brand Mitt Romney. Next, there's Bill Clinton, or to be more accurate, John Travolta in primary colours as Bill Clinton. Then there's Jimmy Carter, looking like the before photo for a jaundice medication. And William Henry Harrison, who died of pneumonia 31 days into office, and this is probably exactly what he looked like when he did. And lastly, there is Warren G. fucking Harding. Um, one detail that I like that Journal 3 adds is that Mabel uses the wax to make lumpy crayons. <laughs> I'm like that. Mabel would absolutely do that. Um, and of course, the llama here. Oh yes. Um, Larry King's head is still hopping around in the vent. Um, yes. Larry King's wax head will return. Larry King's wax head will return. <laughs> and uh, um, Mabel's asking if she if uh, she should wear sequins or llama hair. And Larry King says, go with the llama hair. Llamas are nature's greatest warriors. Yes, what's Disney Channel's obsession oh, with? Oh, that, that explains its placement on the wheel then. Well, and the, oh. the llama is tied to Pacifica Northwest for some I was, reason. I was, because she's an egotistical rich person who has to go through a character arc. That's why uh, the llama. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually why, but that's the connection I made. I, I, I'm, also, I'm not, people I'm just love lie. llamas. People just love llamas. Yes. Llamas just show up everywhere because people love llamas. Well, we might be able to llama our way out of this. Oh, just like the llama incident. Ah, ha, ha. Okay, that's it. You guys are always talking about the llama incident. What is the llama incident? Well, <laughs> I don't think we're always talking about it. Yeah. What conversations would that even fit into? A lot! I would have had extras, but, you know, the llama incident. Last time he came, there was a llama stampede. My t-shirt launcher is still filled with knockout gas from the llama incident. I've seen you walk a tightrope over stampeding llamas. Llama incident. Llama incident. Llama incident. Llama incident. Might be able to llama our way out of this. Oh, just like the llama incident. Oh, I hadn't realized we talk about it so much. Yeah, and I like the Genghis Khan uh, wax figure. <laughs> so harder than uh, the Jin Dynasty? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. And the Groucho Marx who says, Why isn't there anything in my hand? <laughs> yeah, the Mongol Dynasty in China was the Yuan Dynasty. The, o the only way to defeat. Wax statues is in a meltatocracy. Ah. And this is one of the many ways shows that are for children get away with kind of dark stuff. They make it the decapitation of a wax figure, but it was intended for the human. Which so is why Samurai kind of Jack was robot. Get away with dark stuff by, by doing yeah, this that. Is the, it gets darker. Gravity. It yeah. gets dark. Yeah, this show gets way darker. I mean, it's still perfectly suitable for kids for the it's most still part. Still family show, but it's just a good. It's just another goofy episode filled with silly jokes for kids. I don't have much else to say. Uh. So, does anyone have anything they want to plug? Hey, Jonathan, I know you weren't in the second half of this episode, but why don't you plug your stuff using a clip I'm just going to pull from last week's episode? 
Um, uh, you can follow me. Uh, I'm on YouTube. Uh, the Second Dimension is the name of the channel. I talk about Phineas and Ferb and other animated series, so I can actually get back into the groove of making videos. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at PFMML News. Okay, everyone else. All right, I'm Landon. I'm an engineer. I am in the newly formed YPT Orlando chapter. If you want to learn about young professionals in transportation, our kickoff event is a is on Thursday, January 21st. Will there be free pizza? There will not. It's a digital event. We don't know how to give people di pizza digitally yet. Uh, but you can well. give people cookies across the internet. <laughs> yes. I'm... I'm at the Nick Fan Club on Twitter. I also have an Instagram, which is my name, which is ScottSandler94. And I'm also on Facebook, but you, and you can find me there. I, like Chandler, had unfortunate Twitter suspension, but yeah. It's okay, because I had another account that I was able to use, and Twitter so far has not said anything. So. It's a conspiracy. Yeah. It's because I'm, they're communists that they're banning you. Obviously, it's because they're communists. I'm, it's definitely I'm, I'm worried about because... I'm, I'm worried about creating a second account in case it flags and affects all my others, but... Well, the thing gets me is that i didn't the, the the what the tweet that they actually had where i got where i got suspended uh like the one that caused my permanent suspension it, it's not like i told trump to go go choke on a big mac like i didn't respond to one of his tweets by saying you should go choke on a big mac i said trump can go choke on a big mac as a not not like oh i want him to as but more as a he can go fuck himself basically my my, my, my alleged hateful conduct why there was no hateful conduct in it. It's, I was just using, I just happened to be using gendered pronouns. And oh. Chandler, Chandler, it's okay. You got your revenge. Now Trump's not been banned from yes! <laughs> And oh, I noted- The internet is so much nicer since that happened. Uh, I make cartoons on Fireblast Studios on YouTube. I recently premiered a new series called Parktoons. Um, my- personal Twitter account is at Michael Hirsch on Twitter and I also run a podcast called the Emperor's New Podcast about the Emperor's New Groove franchise everything in the franchise is covered on that podcast and we're going to be doing a crossover episode very soon to celebrate yep. the Emperor's New School's 10th anniversary 15th, 15th anniversary 15th yeah That's oh, it's funny community. you mentioned that because I my Emperor's New Groove DVD it came with Kronk's New Groove I just bought it because I wanted Emperor's New Groove. I've never watched Kronk's New Groove. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Starport97 and at the YouTube channel Starport97. I'm planning on making new videos there at some point, but I have no promises right now. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Podcast Acronym. If you like this and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. Leave us a review and give us five stars. You can find us on Anchor and all the other usual places. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Starport97 on YouTube. I've kind of slacked on uploading new episodes to YouTube, but I think I'm going to just do it where I upload them in a batch like once a month, just so that I, because I, I want to have more people listen here first. I also have an announcement to make regarding um, next month on this show. I have been working on this for a while and I'm really, really excited. The lineup for next month of this show is going to be, of course, February. So all Phineas and Ferb, that's going to be all four episodes next month. So on February 1st, we're talking about um, Phineas and Ferb and time travel. So that's going to be about 
Um, it's about time and Quantum Boogaloo, but also Milo Murphy's Lost Season 1. So time travel throughout the entire um, Dan and Swampy verse. Um, February 8th, we're going to be talking about Ferb TV. February 14th is going to be the Valentine's Day shipping extravaganza. And that one is going to be a lot of fun. Um, the last episode of February, February is going to be February 22nd, where we're talking about, dude, we're getting the band back together. And I have a really awesome guest lineup planned for these episodes. So it's going to be a ton of fun. I'm so excited. I can't wait to record these episodes and I can't wait for you guys to hear them. I also just want to point out that as we saw in this episode, um, guests can change at any moment because um, Jonathan wasn't able to make it for the second half of this episode. And actually, I've had other times where Jonathan Harm wasn't able to make it for the first half. So, um, it, you know, things come up. It happens. I had actually recorded the list of guests I had planned on the announcement when we originally recorded this. But there was a bit of a mishap when I announced it on Twitter where I announced that our good friend Tony Goldmark was going to be on the February 1st episode. That is not happening. He is not going to be able to make that, and that is totally fine. I did not clear that with him before I posted it, and once again, I apologize. That was my bad. We had talked about it before, but I hadn't officially locked it down, so that's on me. And then March 1st is close to my birthday, so for that, we're going to talk about Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. So that's the one. I, I wish I on, but I have not been able to go on because I haven't yeah. been able to the pandemic. So that's the lineup for the podcast coming up. And join us next week when we talk about Star Wars The Force of Evil.